0: All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm Jason Klepa, and today we are doing a solo episode. Now, on the regular, I receive emails, direct messages from people who are either in the fitness space or want to get into the fitness space, and I received a really interesting email that I wanted to share with you guys today because I felt like it's probably going to hit on how a lot of people feel right now and they may be in this pivotal moment. And perhaps this email could help one, two, ten, a hundred, maybe even more of you. And if it does, then we're doing our job. Please remember, if you're enjoying these podcasts, we've had a lot of really cool episodes. We have a great episode coming out next week. Would really appreciate it if you rate it, review it, and share it. There's no paid ads. All I ask is that you just review it and share it with a friend if it was impactful. So I hope everybody's having a great day. I hope you really enjoy this episode. and. Um, Let's keep rising the tides. Let's go. Now, I received this email, and I'm going to summarize it because obviously I want to keep the information a little bit more private, but I've been coaching CrossFit at a box for three years. It was something I did on the side. I had a full-time job and, you know, more of an average life. I I decided to start coaching because it was something I loved and had a passion for sound familiar to any of you guys. My dream was to one day open up a gym. And I think that this is a really interesting part because a lot of people get into CrossFit and start coaching people. They feel the excitement, they feel the impact, and they think that their next step is to one day open a gym. And I'm not quite sure why um, in our industry that's the case. But for the most part, when people start getting into, you know, coaching, They think the natural step they need to get to is to open up a business. Anyways, the gym was a smaller gym and had been open for seven years. It was a smaller location. Um, The location was not ideal, you know, zero foot traffic, very similar to probably what some of you guys ran into. The the owners uh, were looking to, you know, actually get out of the business and they had other full-time jobs. It became too much for them and they wanted to sell. It was a perfect opportunity, it seemed like, for me to step in. And so a lot of you guys might be out there right now, you're a coach at a facility, perhaps there's an opportunity to step in, and it sounds affordable, right? When you're looking at these businesses, maybe the rent's a couple grand a month, especially if it's not zoned properly, maybe revenues, I don't know, $10,000, $15,000 a month, and you could buy it you know, for, I don't know, 50000 and at the time, you're like, man, I got my own business for 50000 but you're actually taking on a lot of risk, a lot of liability, and it's actually a liability, not an asset. So it ended up going for sale. The, the owners were friends, so it was an easy transition. It was super exciting time. Um, the gym was break just breaking even when I took it over. I know this is hitting the hard strings of some of you. I had plans to move the gym to a bigger space, and I wanted to do these additional things. I thought I was 100%. Percent in, but looking back, that was impossible. I had a full-time job, and there was no way I could be fully in. I thought I was fully in, but I wasn't fully in. As much as I told myself I was, it just wasn't possible. To make up for this, I hired coaches, staff to free me up to spend time on the things I was good at. But as I hired these staff, it was obviously expensive, so I had to continue to put in my personal money. So I was stuck in between this place of the gym wasn't sustainable on its own, so I kept putting in more and more money. So it ultimately led me to the decision to close the gym. There are more things that I've learned from this, but there are two main takeaways that I wanted to share. Either you have to go fully in and have the time to do as much as possible so you can save some money. The other way is to have a large financial backing. Obviously, there might be a few additional ways, loans, investors, et cetera, but it was challenging for me because I, I was one foot in, one foot out, and I can never get it ticking enough to really make it my full-time gig. And so looking at this, right, and he goes on to, to share a few other things in that, you know, he's still excited about fitness and maybe in the one day he'll he'll get back into the game. But I think it's really interesting to me that this email, he thought he could do it. By, by having a full-time job and also owning the business. He thought he could take over a business that was breaking even and make it successful. But I think there's a few things we need to look at. And I think this email is just shining light on that. One is, you know, when you start coaching wherever you're at, it's easy to fall in love with the community, the culture, the impact you're making on people's lives. But it doesn't mean that the only other option for you is to own a business. You could be a really great coach, impact people's lives, and You know, maybe identify ways to grow in that career path if you don't have the business um, background. Or perhaps you are a great business guy, well then go ahead and get into the business side and maybe outsource for other areas. But I think what's really important is to think about this in three areas. Number one is this person needs to evaluate their strengths and weaknesses and recognize that if maybe coaching is their strength, okay, well then how do I outsource the other things? And it sounded like he did try that, but then it sounds like it was a money issue. And so we need to build in at least one year of expenses minimum plus your salary. I think this is an area where some gym owners and business owners go wrong is that when they look at the expenses and I'm, I'm, I'm victim of this. I remember when we first opened our first location, it was 1500 square feet. And I remember looking at my monthly expenses and saying, okay, I, let's just call it $3,000 a month was my monthly expenses. This is a long time ago. And I remember telling myself that if I got, I don't know. 40 members that I'd be good to go. But what I didn't take into consideration is I should have built in my salary also in those expenses and that the company would have had an obligation to pay me for that. Now, if it could or couldn't, that's a different case, but at least it should be on the books and it should be something I reference because for someone to own and operate it, for someone to operate it, they need to be paid something. So it's a better reflection of how the business is actually doing if you're in the red or in the black. And so the recommendation I would have is. Evaluate your strengths and weaknesses, and if you are a great coach, maybe you need to outsource the business. If you are a great business person, maybe you need to outsource the coaching side, and maybe you could find a partner, a collaborative person to work with and create a partnership agreement that could work. It could, right? Or maybe you have skills in both areas, then that's great, but you need to develop those over time. Go to school before you start thinking about building this business. Go learn everything you can, because as soon as you sign a lease, as soon as you take over the business, you have so much risk, so much liability, and it's not a game. And then building your salary. So let's just say that outside the business, you can go make, I oh don't know, for the sake of argument, $5,000 a month, okay? We'll build that into the business so that as you're growing it, you look at that expense every month and you're like, oh, damn, well, no, we're not breaking even. We're actually losing money because I should be paying myself this much and I can't get there. And I think that's a really, really important concept because a lot of the times, and again, I'm, I'm you know, saying this about us as well. For myself, I never added that in because I just figure, oh, okay, I'll get by, um, you know, with some savings, or I'll get by with whatever. But the reality is, the business would never be able to survive without having a paid operator in there. So that expense should always be, you know, on the P and L. It should always be something you think about now whether the business can support it or not. That's a different case. But now every single month, you're saying, oh shoot. I'm not breaking even, we're still losing two, $3,000 a month. Now, if you decide to keep that money in the business, that's fine, but I think it's really important to have that because if you don't put it there, it's going to be easier for you to get comfortable before you keep striving to get that point. And then, you know, look at the long-term goals. You know, I think when this gentleman is looking at this business, on the surface, a lot of us, you know, and, and this doesn't just go for the fitness space, this goes for a lot of things, the jiu-jitsu space, the coffee space, Whatever you become uh, engulfed in the culture you fall in love with the people but something that's really important is what are the long-term goals what's the strategy what are you an expert at let's just say you're finding this in your later years um, later years is a you know obviously i'm talking you know 40s which isn't really later but it's it's later down the line and you've probably already chosen a career path well you've probably become an expert at something because you've spent 20 30 years doing this particular craft And now when you switch it, are you going to be able to be, you know, all in on this gym? And according to the email I just read, it was impossible to be all in on one thing when you have another full-time career. And so I think it's important before you ink the deal to say, hey, what are my long-term goals? What am I actually trying to accomplish in the next 10, 20 years? And how am I going to get there? Well, if it's creating financial stability how am I going to get there by owning a business? How many get there by owning a gym? And I need to financially model that out to say, Hey, if I take over this one, and in this case, it was, you know, a smaller gym, 2000 square feet. And let's just say I pack every class every day. Well, what's the maximum revenue I could actually generate out of this single floor model location? Well, if the most I could generate is 200,000, but my goal is, is to make 200,000. Well, maybe my long-term expectations and goals don't align with actually starting this business or taking it over. Maybe I can go create a new one that's a bigger space or maybe identify a way to open this one and open up additional ones. But I think it's important that as you've grown, you know, you're 30, you're 40 years old, you're creating these goals in your head, perhaps you have a family to take care of, whatever. And then you see this opportunity to open a gym and it's exciting. But before you do that, just sit down and say, "Hey, what are my long-term goals?" Is this in alignment with that? And if it's not, then you might just need to say, hey, look, this isn't the right opportunity for me and I'd rather just be a coach because by by taking it on, I'm never going to fulfill my long-term strategy because it's not designed to do so. And that's just something to really think about. And you know, especially if you have another career, I've talked to so many people, so many people. I probably talk to on the phone at least 100 gym owners a month. And way more than that, actually. And when I talk to them on the phone, um, we we'll do some short calls where I, 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 we have a private Facebook group for the collective, NC Fit Collective. The, the typical engagement that we hear is, you know, lack of partnership agreements, you know, um, rents aren't appropriate, meaning that they're, they're not zoned properly or they're on a month to month. These are areas, these are like red flags to us. But another red flag is when someone has a full-time career and they also own a gym. And unless they've delegated out the operations, it becomes really, really tough, and you start burning the candle from both ends, and I think this was a great example of that. And so before you start burning the candle at both ends, just take a step back, evaluate your strengths and weaknesses, what are you an expert in, how do I delegate out to somebody else, do I have the financial means to delegate that out for at least a year, and also build in my salary, because you never want to build resentment towards the business, you want to still be something you love, love, love. And then what are my long-term goals and is owning this business in alignment with this? And if you look at it, you say, yes, owning this business is not is in alignment with my long-term goals. Hell yeah. I have the financial means to support myself for a year and the business, so I'm not making irrational decisions. Okay, great. Now, what am I really good at? Okay, I'm really good at this. Let's delegate out this and let's go all in. Okay, great. And you know that the thing about that is, is let's just take this gentleman, for example, He's been in a career for X, many years. He's built an expertise. Let's just say he spent the last couple of years building expertise in fitness. He goes off, does it for a year or two, goes all in, has no regrets, right? And then he can always go back to his previous career. But I think when you're one foot in, one foot out, it's really, really tough. And that's something I think about on a daily basis with our company, even though I'm not one foot in, one foot out. I'm the founder, CEO of NC Fit. We have different verticals to our business. And that's something I think about on a regular basis where is my energy going towards because where my energy goes typically things start to grow right because you're you're at the helm and you're guiding the business but if i start getting distracted on other things i at times see the business start to suffer from that and so if you're at the helm of your business and you're getting distracted by your other job right and and rightfully so i mean it's your job you have a you're getting paid to perform a task you have to focus on that I don't know if that's possible. And if you do have two jobs and you haven't delegated out, I commend you for all the work you're doing. But let's start strategizing on what that long-term strategy looks like to say, hey, am I all in over here or am I all in over here? Because you know, at the end of the day, you're just going to be working a lot of hours and I think you might just be running this circle. So I hope today you know, this email was, a, was, a, was one for somebody out there who's thinking about taking over a gym. And before you do it, just think about a few of those things. Think about, is it in alignment with your long-term goals? And if it is, hell yeah, let's get after it. If you do decide to open a business or you currently have one and you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective, would really appreciate if you do. I think the private Facebook group, the session plans, the program we're putting out, save owners time and drive a return for them, which has always been something I've been about. Keep rising the tides. Keep getting after it. If you're in Paris in May, I'm doing a private gym owner um, event uh, for five owners uh, it's May 18th. If you want to, you know, more information, please email us, collective at nc.fit for more information about that Paris event. I hope my European gyms are crushing it. Hope our US and worldwide gyms are crushing it. Keep getting after today. Get out there, identify the goals, and let's make it happen. Have a phenomenal day. Thank you again for checking in on the Business of Fitness podcast.